Hello and welcome to this episode of CFA Institute's Take 15. I'm Steve Horan and I'm joined here today by Reverend Seamus Finn. He's the Director of Justice, Peace and Integrity of Creation Ministry for the Missionary Oblates of Mary Immaculate. His office is responsible for administering the Social Responsible Investment Program. Reverend Finn, thank you for joining us. Glad I could come down and be here. The um, socially responsible investing movement has uh, gained a lot of attraction and attention in the last uh, decade plus, really. Um, come a long way since the days when you know there was a simple negative screen against uh, investing in South Africa, for example. Um, but out of that movement has uh, developed this notion of faith based or faith consistent investing. How do you see those two things fitting together? Um, it's Well, interesting enough actually, Steve, it's probably if you look at a lot of the socially responsible investment funds that are out there, some of the older ones, had their roots in religious traditions, whether it's with the Quakers or uh, Calvert and places like that had some strong Buddhist, uh, uh, individual Buddhists who are committed to looking at how their faith traditions inform what they were doing. And I think we've developed in somewhat in parallel, uh, only that I suppose the clear delineating point is that uh, many of the faith uh, investors want to also connect their investment principles and strategies with their faith traditions. So we're in many places we're on the same path, uh, but uh, you're probably going to get some additional overlay from the faith traditions in terms of what they're going to include in their investment uh, portfolio. So looking at that from the perspective of a negative screen that might be applied to an investment strategy, how does that look from the Christian context and, and how might that differ from, from some other faith traditions? Um, it's going to look, I think, um, you know, if probably the Methodist may be the easiest one because John Wesley left the social principles pretty much there for them and they're going to look at things like gambling, tobacco, pornography, uh, very and those stand out very easily. So, on top of that, from uh, you know the Catholic tradition, you're probably going to find a significant number of screens on uh, abortion, on life issues, uh, and on top of that, you're probably going to find individual religious congregations like my own, who may have a strong commitment on the environment or on human rights. And so, it's uh, probably you may start out with four or five core principles from the Christian perspective. And then depending on Methodist, Catholic, Presbyterian, uh, or an individual congregation like ours, which has a heavy connection in the developing world, uh, we're going to put some additional uh, screens on top of that. So um, some of these screens, you alluded to some positive screens, environment and the like. Um, what screens would be derived from Catholic social thought as opposed to from, say, the specific order within the Catholic Church or, or, or Christian denomination? I think there's, you know, there's certainly been developing a strong uh, position on what people would call care of creation, which is where the environmental screens come from. So we're going to be looking at and looking for opportunities to invest in sustainable timber or sustainable forestry uh, or sustainable energy. So uh, those being, I think, clearly a recognition in the tradition now that 
without the earth and without uh, taking care of the creation, which is a, we see as a gift from God going forward, there is no future for anybody. So I think we're slowly beginning to recognize that along with human rights, we also need to be looking at the environmental, ecological side of the issue. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, how does this get manifested in terms of activist investing, or is it more just applying the screens to an uh, an investment opportunity set. For me, I mean, I think it's, I've been connected to this in some way for probably about 25 years and uh, even indirectly going back to the apartheid thing, that apartheid issues that you alluded to earlier. Um, I think there's been a game changer probably in the last 10 or 15 years because of the explosion of uh, access to information uh, that uh, whereas previously we were hampered by you know, anecdotal evidence, we were hampered by, you know, something somebody saw in a, in a video or that they heard on the news. It's not very difficult now to follow up on any particular issue that comes to light. And uh, actually there are just, just a whole industry out there, obviously, that's doing research constantly, that uh, if you have a concern about biodiversity in the Congo, uh, then somebody's going to be able to provide you the data set. Uh, to help you if you want to look at companies that are doing business in that sector. So I think it's access to the, uh, the amount of information that's there, an ability to manage it and have access to it and then apply it to the, uh, to the investment strategy. And uh, I think the second part that, that's changed besides the information piece is that I think financial professionals have finally gotten the message uh, it was slow in coming in, in our experience with going to banks and money managers that they were constantly reminding us that maybe we were losing return by you know, being concerned about human rights or concerned about tobacco or alcohol or whatever it was. And I think there's now enough research out there to, to suggest that any investment strategy includes some choices and decisions that somebody makes. And uh, it's going to say that any time you make a choice, you're excluding something. If you're going to go small cap, large cap, developing world, Europe, uh, frontier market, you're obviously making choices that uh, are going to influence the, the bottom line return. And I think the fact that there are these screens that uh, faith traditions are putting on top of that, uh, I think for most people now who've looked at it seriously, the impact is, ne is negligible. And they're able also to get the kind of return that they want. And um, have, has there been much work that you're aware of in terms of the impact on risk? And so looking at return in relation to the risk of a portfolio that has positive and negative screens. Um, I don't think so. At least, uh, I, you know, we've, we were involved with the Global Solidarity Forest Fund, which has, uh, was a forest fund uh, which was in Mozambique. Uh, and we were able, I think, in looking at that fund to talked to enough people who had experience on the ground, whether from the World Bank or other international institutions, or from people who uh, have actually worked in the country to say, you know, we had a pretty good picture of what the risk was. And I think we had to look at that, obviously, in relationship to our appetite for risk in terms of how we were going to look at that as a congregation. And I think everybody has to do that. There is Many, you know, there, there, I suppose uh, I've spent a lot of time in the last uh, 24 months in the financial services sector, and uh, now we're aware of a lot more risk that's there than maybe was uh, acknowledged three or four years ago. So I think looking at risk structure, risk management, 
in any company in any sector has to be part of what an investor is doing these days. What about engaging corporate management to actually change policy or um, their own investing activities in the product markets? Um, is that common in the funds that you work with or the investments you make? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've, we've, we have built up over time a reputation for being serious about what we're doing, about taking the time to look at the business model, whether it's in whatever sector it is, and to look at the elements that go into uh, you know, the particular business model. And I think we've gained the respect of certainly enough folks in the investing community to say that that's an important piece of information that you're bringing or that's an important uh, aspect of risk that you've identified that we might not be taking seriously. So we've had plenty of conversations recently, obviously with the chief risk officers in the financial sector and trying to get them to articulate for us, whereas previously the risk officer was kind of off to the side, where is the risk management uh, happening within the company? And how is, what kind of access do the folks who are responsible for risk, what kind of access do they have to the board of directors? Uh, and what kind of access do they have to the CEO? One, one last question, and that is, um, do you see a uh, sort of a fundamental dissonance by you know integrating faith-based objectives into financial investing objectives and maybe an element of that does that translate into a view on how uh, financial companies you mentioned the work you're doing in financial services deal with each other in terms of contracting around issues of CDOs and uh, buyer beware kind of issues. Well, I mean, I, I think if you look at uh, the transition that's taken place in terms of even the reporting that companies are doing, whether it's their annual report or their filing with regulatory agencies, they've slowly come around to doing citizenship reports or sustainability reports. Um, we would really like them to bring those onto the annual report and into the financial report. And we think we're making progress in that. I mean, I think companies have at least started to produce these reports independently. We'd like them now to integrate those more fully into the calculation of you know, their measurement of the, what the value of the company is, what, you know, as a prospective investor, what kind of risk you might be taking because of the particular business that they're in. And I think that's, that's become, uh, that for me anyway, I think is the direction that we're going. Uh, that whether you call it triple bottom line or whether you call it, you know, ESG uh, uh, overlay on top of the financial thing, I think the financial uh, accounting side has, has become aware of the fact that they need to find more models and more, more metrics to be able to quantify what those elements are and bring them into the picture that they're providing of a particular company. Yeah, so it may very well be that uh, doing good and being sustainable is actually something that is consistent with maximizing shareholder value. Absol yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, uh, I think, you know, we've had a, a pretty uh, lax approach to all of the externalities that are out there in terms of what, what companies, uh, whether whatever industry or sector that they're in, um, just not, being, not counting what the impact is on local communities, on the environment, uh, and uh, on you know overall in development within a particular region of a country, and so somehow or other, 
not saying that those have to dominate, but they have to be included in the equation of measurement of value. And I think, you know, where most of the faith communities are long-term investors, so our pension funds have to be long-term investors. So you have to be looking not at what the next quarter is going to give you, but somehow you have to be able to say, you know, in five years or 10 years or 20 years, is this a company that we're going to, you know, we're going to want to stay with and we're, we're, we can have some confidence in. Great point. Thank you for joining us, Father Finn, and sharing your thoughts on faith-consistent investing. Glad I could be here. Thanks. And thank you for joining us. To browse our catalog of other multimedia products, visit us on the web at cfawebcasts.org. Copyright 2010, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.